Welcome back to another episode of Clarkston Family Farm. This time, Chelsea's guests are Carol Bodner and Wally Zguski. Both Carol and Wally are organic farmers. They discuss how they got started, as well as why and how they practice organic, sustainable gardening. Chelsea? Hi there, Chelsea O'Brien from the Clarkston Family Farm. We are always so excited to welcome some new guests here on our show. We are here with Carol and Wally. These are two folks that have given a lot of their own time and expertise and care deeply about gardening. And not just any kind of gardening, but organic gardening, thinking really deeply and, and taking the time to, to do it well so we have sustainable gardening. So we're thinking about organic, sustainable gardening, which is something that we do here at the Clarkston Family Farm with kids, and you guys do in, in your own world. So let's meet Carol. Why don't you introduce yourself, Carol? Give us a little, little bit about who you are. My name's Carol Cotter Bodner. I grew up in Big Beaver, that's Troy, Michigan. Been here for a long time. But I have, for 20 years or so, lived in other states and retired to Michigan doing something I like to do. This is nothing like what I did work-wise all my life. And this is something worth doing the rest of my life. Isn't that wonderful? I agree. There's so much um, literature and, and studies now on how being outside, getting your hands in the dirt, uh, gardening, even walking in the woods is just uplifting for us emotionally and it actually helps us live longer and live better. So I think gardening should be something that everybody does. Carol, you um, didn't mention that you're a master gardener. Oh, the reason I am at uh, Bittersweet these days originally was because after one takes Master Gardener course, I owe the state uh, 40 hours of volunteer work the first year and 20 hours of volunteer work the rest of the time that I'm a Master Gardener, which is forever. This is a good place to do that. It's two miles driveway to driveway. <laughs> For you. So Bittersweet Farm is a local organic farm that is within walking distance of the Clarkston family farm. And I like to think of it as our sister farm. We do a lot of collaboration with Bittersweet. And um, if you hadn't listened to our podcast, you can uh, click on the one that is about uh, our friends at Bittersweet Farm. So Carol, I'm sure you give a lot more than 20 hours. <laughs> you are there every time I've been to Bittersweet. Carol is there. Carol, let's um, turn it over to the handsome man sitting next to you. Wally Wisniewski is here. And make sure I'm pronouncing your last name correctly, Wally. Nizguski. Aha. Uh -huh. I knew it. I knew I... By the way, Carol... Uh, not only is she a master gardener, she is a garden master. I like that. Not only is she a master gardener, Carol, you are a garden master. That's power, <laughs> real power. So, Wally, um, tell us about yourself. Uh, well, I've been an organic farmer for 35 years. Actually, the first garden I put in was in 1969, uh, using no chemicals. Um, 
I, my, my passion is for food, and I look at food as sustenance, and the best sustenance I can get is from organic farming. Um, I have a passion for uh, a soil and seeds, too. The soil to me is something very sacred. I mean, it is broken down minerals mixed with organic matter. In fact, it represents all of life for millions of years. Um, you could call it our ancestors, uh, is in a handful of soil. A handful of soil contains more organisms than there is humans on this planet. Uh, and it's the health of that community of organisms that, that determines the health of the plants that grow there and subsequently the health of the humans that live there and all other animals. Uh, so I have a passion, uh, not only for the soil, but for the seeds too. Um, uh, that's, that's why I grow only, org only heirloom varieties. Um, it's the, those old varieties are what had the flavor and the most nutrition. Um, uh, many of the genetic engineers developing seed today have other things in mind, like, uh, like tougher skin and universal size, and like a tomato that's shaped like a globe. Or longer shelf life, because they're thinking about how long will these things last in a grocery store, or can I ship them overseas, right? Exactly. And how will they look? Yes, uh, well, uh, the public does buy what looks good. And sometimes the heirloom varieties uh, look a little odd, and, and uh, they're looking for... I mean, I've seen that at the farmer's market. People walk up and down the aisles, they're looking for attractive displays. Uh, and then you get real busy, everybody's buying stuff, and, and, and you're filling bags and chain, making change, and, uh, and your table gets all messed up, and all of a sudden, like a brick wall, people will stop buying from you until you get it all back arranged again, uh, and then it'll come in another wave. Wally, let's let's come back a little bit to. I know that you um, you know Bob uh, McGowan, and um, we we had him on an earlier podcast, and we talked a little bit about Bittersweet Farm. And I know you, similar to Carol, uh, you didn't grow up on a farm. You had you you've done other things in in your life, but you were drawn to this. And you, Wally, and I have had some fun conversations around um, your son. And, you know, when you really became inspired to, to be thinking about food as sustenance, and it is true, we are what we eat. And um, I've had some really fun conversations with you about just some simple things like the spinach today that you might get from a local grocery store has less nutrient value than a generation ago, and certainly That's in the true. early 1900s. And that goes back to what you first said and what I know that you're really passionate about, and that is soil. Am I right? Yes, yes. you're absolutely right. And I think so, so much can be learned from this idea of um, regeneration, giving back, cultivating, and caring for your whole ecosystem. So at the Clarkston Family Farm, we do a lot of different programs, and we have fun talking about different ecosystems. And we 
we'll bring the kids and we talk about farm ecosystems. And it's not something they're very familiar with. They're like, well, we understand about wetland ecosystems and a forest ecosystem and a meadow ecosystem, but how is a farm an ecosystem? And I think, oh my gosh, okay, well, let's really talk about this because a farm needs to be treated as a whole. Um, Maybe you and Carol can kind of bounce back a little bit and talk about that because our topic today is organic sustainable gardening and I think about here at our farm um, we're very new we've only been around for about three years my primary focus is teaching kids educating kids getting them outside teaching them about where their food comes from in fact I had to laugh because um, someone asked me what's your best crop and I thought about that and I said kids (laughs) My best crop is kids. That's my primary focus, growing hearts, minds, and well-being. The vehicle for doing that is gardening, farming. Um, You guys are approaching this from a little different aspect. You are committed to growing beautiful, healthy, organic food and growing soil. So I'm going to turn that back over to you and let you kind of run with it a little bit. Maybe, Carol, you can talk about some specifics around um, achieving this goal of beautiful organic produce and how you grow soil. You already know that the whole purpose of Bittersweet Farm is to produce food to take to the food bank. What I need to do is to have something to harvest and have it be worthwhile. That is our one goal. Our goals are are different, but you need to be productive. Well, I find that organic-wise, we will have everything that we need and not feel badly about the fact that we're giving people something that's actually got a poison in it. We feel maybe virtuous is a little strong there. We certainly feel that we are doing the right thing. Mm -hmm. And pulling weeds, when you're pulling weeds, you really don't want to, uh, you don't want to pull weeds when it's 100 degrees outside. But we do it because we know it's the right thing to do. The reason we're pulling the weeds and putting down the mulch and putting down seeds is that we've got something to deliver to somebody who wants it, who needs it, and we can do that. And you can, you can do it in good conscience, knowing that you're giving the highest quality product, like you say, without poisons. And, and I have to point something out, we, that our farmers and gardeners know this. Farming's hard. Nobody said that this was easy. Um, I was talking with a, a local farmer, and he, he looks at me, and I, I was complaining a little. I'm not going to lie. It was in, in the late July, and I hadn't had as many volunteers as is normal, and weeding and weeding and weeding, and the Jimson weed, I was just like, oh. it's so hard to say you hate a plant, but boy, I'll tell you what, <laughs> it, was, it was just, you know, it felt like it was overtaking everything. And I was complaining a little bit to this uh, fellow gardener, farmer friend, and he said, you know what they used to call organic farming? 
And I said, what? He says, farming. <laughs> you know, <laughs> this is what we've done as human beings for several hundreds of years without the, you know, help, uh, which is some kind of help is the kind of help you don't want, but the help of, you know, some of these chemical pesticides. Um, it is hard work, and it's worth it. Yes. What, what doesn't have to be that hard? In fact, it isn't that difficult. Uh, uh, yeah, you have to have some knowledge about what you're doing. Uh, farmers in the old days, uh, they often didn't even know why they did the things they did. They just knew that it worked. Uh, farmers were very generous with their, with their, their knowledge and what worked and pa would pass that on. Um, uh, obviously, if your neighbor is having an insect problem, you're going to have that too. So you want that your neighbor to do well. Um, it was it, it, today. It's easier because uh, with technology, we know why those practices worked, um, and 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 and, it, and it, there is a solution to almost everything that you that they use chemicals for. Um, I, my grandfather didn't know why um, I, it worked, but farmers would take a dead caterpillar and mash it with a fork and, 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 and put it in, in milk and set it on a shelf in the barn. And then when they'd have cabbage lopers, uh, they'd put, mix that with some water and spray their cabbages. And that would, uh, today we know uh, that was a bacteria. Uh, that gives the leaf-eating worms ulcers, and they stop eating within a day or so, and they die in about three or four days of dehydration. Uh, it's a natural substance that's out there. Um, you just make sure it's on your plants. Um, uh, today, it's commonly used by the state uh, to spray for gypsy moth because they know it's not harmful to human beings. They can spray it from plains over the forest wherever there's an infestation of the gypsy moth. So your advice then, Wally, um, if you had a couple of things, if we can make this a little maybe practical, uh, some takeaways, because I think you're absolutely right. And, and I, I, I do still still think farming is hard, and you always are contending with deer or rabbits or a groundhog or the weather, and there's a lot of variables there. But it never, for, for me anyway, is not worth doing, and the benefits far outweigh the um, the work that needs to be done. And you can do it in a way that's smart. So um, we're going to just maybe do two, just two like takeaways, Wally, that maybe you and Carol could give our audience. And I, um, I already know we're going to have to have you back because we've just scratched the surface of digging into some practical ways that are being respectful of farm ecology and understanding that um, if you want your farm to be productive, which is important, Carol, um, for years and years to come, that you need to be sensitive to um, the earth and plant ecology. So go ahead, Wally, we'll start with you. If you've got something that you feel is valuable to share with our audience, maybe give them a little hint or a little bit of um, uh, confidence that, that this is doable. Go ahead. 
Oh, what does overwhelm people is what has already been mentioned, weeds. And Bob McGowan spoke about how to, uh, to concentrate on a small area. And you'll be amazed after an hour goes by and you then you see the progress that you've made and, and then another hour goes by and pretty soon the whole bed is weed free. Um, but it can, you can make it even easier by using cover crops, uh, which will, uh, there are many crops that grow so fast, like clover is really fast. Radishes grow almost overnight. I mean, you can cover the ground with, <laughs> with plants that will strangle out the weeds. Um, and so you have fewer weeds to begin with. Uh, I like to keep uh, those particular plants that I like growing between my rows. Many of those are legumes, so the weeds are actually fertilizing my soil. Uh, all the glooms capture uh, nitrogen from our atmosphere and put it back in the soil. This is really the easiest way to apply nitrogen to your soil. Around here we can use a lot of manure. Uh, some places that have as more acidic soil, uh, they're limited as to how much uh, uh, manure you can apply uh, because it'll make it too acidic. Um, as you know, around here our soil is, is quite alkaline, so we have a license to use all the manure we want. And you have chickens, by the way. And you are the reason we have oh, chickens, my chickens at the Clarkston Family Farm. Yeah, they uh, are a, a nice My chickens partner. are a great addition to my garden. I agree. Uh, they help in so many ways. <laughs> uh, they turn my leaves over into the soil. Uh, uh, they, they, they're like weeders. In the spring, every teeny little weed that pops up, they'll get it before it even matures to anything. Um, then, so they'll clean my garden off. Uh, then I move them out into a different pasture and, and uh, plant my cover crops. Love it. So Wally, I'm hearing you say cover crops and chickens. <laughs> I love it. Carol. Ever since I've known Wally, he has said, Feed the soil, and the soil will feed you. Oh, I love that. That means we have three or four compost piles. Mm -hmm. So we try to have absolutely nothing going to waste except for weed seeds. <laughs> and we keep our uh, compost piles um, growing yes. for us. One of the things that Wally, I think came from Wally, that we do we try to remember to do religiously is when we have planted our potatoes and after you've planted potatoes you just you don't have anything coming out of the ground it's just dirt so we plant radishes and the radishes hopefully will grow faster than the weeds and provide a little bit of shade so the weeds are a little behind and they're growing by the time we get to harvesting those radishes and take them to the food bank the potatoes finally have popped through so we know exactly where they are and where we can weed around. Okay, I am stealing that idea. I love it. Um, the phrase that we talk about with our kids is partner planting. And oh, I think, yeah, and or companion planting. And um, there's so much carryover to how people work in synergy with one another 
plants work in synergy with one another also. Um, that is going to be, I, can I steal that idea? I think that would be really fun to do. And the three sisters. Spring. Yeah, and we do have a three sisters garden here, and, and maybe that can be our next conversation. Is I think that's a great example of companion planting and also ways to bind new, uh, nitrogen in the soil. Um, We'll have to go because we are coming up a little bit on our time. Wally, yes, of course. Well, I just wanted to one add more. one more thing Please. that Carol brought up uh -huh. about feeding the soil. Um, the organisms in the soil, it doesn't matter whether you're using chemical fertilizers or organic fertilizers. Those organisms have to consume it first and make it to make it available to the plants. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's something that most people don't understand. Yep. This has been great. I love digging in with Carol and Wally. Will you come back? I hope you guys will come oh, back. Oh, I will. I'd, I'd love to. I'd love to have more conversation. So um, we finish with the dig it. Can we do a one, two, three, dig it? One, two, three. Dig it. Thank you, Chelsea. <laughs>